1: Better late than never, the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game. 94.3thegame.com and the IBX Media app. What's happening, everybody? Great to be with you. We are uh, less than 48 hours away from the uh, kick of ECU in Tulane, and we're going to have some stuff for you today on that. Uh, We're going to talk a little uh, Pirates and Panthers. Oh, my. Jim Zoki will be with us later on in the hour. Philip, the ref Pilkington, is producing. Pilk,
2: what what's up, P man?
1: You tell me. You tell me. Um, going I'm excited.
2: It's gonna be a big week. Got a ranked team coming into Dowdy Panthers. That's got got an opportunity point. for another win against a mm-hmm. uh, a former ECU quarterback and Gardner Minshew. It's gonna be right. a uh, gonna be a good weekend.
1: Dom with us today. Yes, sir, I am. How are you doing? Good, Dom. I think we're going to lose. Dom Kosolke, Ever the Optimist, is uh, with us uh, as well. Uh, Pilk, why don't we let Dom do the update? Can we do that today? Yeah. All right.
2: You don't mind? I don't mind if he doesn't. I wrote it, so if he can uh, read my uh, Good luck. jumbled up bad spelling, he can do the hey, update. Dom.
1: Dom, why don't you go and reread the update and make sure all the spelling's correct? Okay, I think right. we're gonna lose because that's what you're gonna do. That's what's gonna happen to you if you read it cold. I think we're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. You're not gonna. You're not gonna fare well, my friend. <laughs> all right. Um, so Dom will have the update coming up. I'm excited about that. We've got a little uh, Donny K. Got a little Blake Harrell coming up in a pirate report. The big news in my mind uh, today uh, happened yesterday. And, Bill, correct me if there's something that uh, I've missed, but uh, the the passing of the general, Robert Montgomery Knight, Bobby Knight, dead at the age of 83. Uh, Obviously, I think it was fair to say if Bob Knight uh, were never around, if Bob Knight had no success, uh, modern-day college basketball wouldn't be where it is. I think it's safe to say that uh, Duke basketball wouldn't be where it is because if there were never a Bob Knight, there wouldn't have been a Mike Krzyzewski, quite possibly. So uh, that was a complicated relationship, but uh, Kay is a a Knight disciple. It was good to see Bob Knight able to go back to IU. They celebrated the uh, undefeated team a few years ago, I think, prior to COVID. And uh, Knight had been um, kind of... uh, on set with some cognitive issues dementia and what have you and um uh, well uh, just cognitive issues i don't I, it, it seems like i'd heard or read it was dementia but uh, certainly issues that were preventing him from uh being how he is you know it's it's interesting um the the disease that impacted woody Durham in his speech uh bob harris right now with uh dementia and alzheimer's issues uh and you just see it with other people. People that are generally very good communicators, very bright people. Uh, it, it's especially bad to see them with uh, the cognitive uh, issues later in life and the inability to, to do things uh, and to, to communicate and what have you. But uh, Bob Knight, uh, three national titles, over 900 wins. It really chapped the Tar Heel Nation's. Uh, hind in, that uh, he was the all-time wins leader when he retired because that was, had been uh, Dean Smith before that. So it's kind of been a double whammy for them because not only did Knight surp- uh, surpass Dean Smith, but then Krzyzewski surpassed uh, Smith and Knight and uh, became the all-time wins leader with well over 1,000. Uh, so that is, uh, for me, I, it warms my the cockles of my heart. The sub region as well warms that. So, uh, Bob Knight, who I don't think Pilk in today's... Well, so, was Knight a brilliant basketball mind? Yes. Was he doing things with the motion offense, the man-to-man, things that really kind of moved basketball to a modern era? Yes. Was he a fiery competitor? Yes. Was he obsessed with winning? Yes. Did he act a little more unhinged as he got... Older yes and but i I think a lot of what he gets the bad rap for in some respects um it's it's i it, what he w- was doing in a lot of cases became in vogue or out of vogue, not that it may have never been in vogue, but it just became you know at the turn of the century it became not a good thing in the world of uh kind of the modern modern folk. Am I making sense here, Pilk? You know, it, it, it seemed like what he did in the 70s, 80s, maybe to a degree, the 90s, not all of it, but some of it was kind of looked over or, or maybe even accepted for the time. So he had kind of a football coach's mentality. Now, I don't agree with him grabbing the kid by the throat, but if you've ever been to a football practice prior to maybe 15 years ago, a coach would be grabbing a player by the face mask many, many times in practice. They- uh, I, I'm not saying all this stuff's right. I'm just saying, you know, I, I think a lot of what you're hearing in our local, well, I should say local as much as the triangle sports media, you know how I love that term. Yeah. And how, and how much uh, you're maybe hearing from certain circles are, you know, it's a, it's a little different society-wise than it was uh, 30 years ago.
2: Yeah, you know, and it kind of his situation reminds me a lot of, of like the McEnroe situation. Now, maybe McEnroe got it a little worse in his time, where the people kind of dogged on him, and maybe now tennis is it's the opposite where it's flipped. But sometimes people kind of hone in on those things and forget what's really important and the fact that you know Bob Knight was one heck of a coach and you know you brought up the legacy that he had how he changed the game on the court and also obviously how he was a mentor to coach K and like you said Duke basketball wouldn't be what it is today and probably the Duke North Carolina rivalry wouldn't be what it is today without Bob Knight because it wouldn't be what it is today without the greatest of all time and Mike Krzyzewski so um it's you know it's it's interesting I hate that people are bringing that up cuz I really do think deep down Bob was a good dude from what I hear from the people who really knew him and right. uh obviously you don't get to 902 wins three national titles as a coach he won a national title as a player in 1960 you don't get that without having to be able to connect with young men and clearly the kids wanted to play for him you know yeah he might have been a hard butt sometimes but if if the kids don't want to play for you you don't win 109 to 100 900 excuse me in two games so uh i think he was a great coach great mentor and uh he'll definitely be missed
1: so many coaches in the state here uh, go to these coaches uh, weekends that really you used to have a lot of, uh, where coaches would go to North Carolina and watch a, a practice. Uh, coaches would go to Duke and watch a practice. And I'm not just talking uh, individually or maybe with a group of two or three people. Like, there, there'd be like a, a kind of a coach's clinic, a mini coaches' clinic at, at these different uh, ACC Tobacco Road institutions and uh, so my dad went to a lot of those uh, he went to a lot of them at Duke uh, I'm not sure if he went I, I know he's been to some other ones other than Duke but he got a chance through like a, a gift at uh, APA when he was there the first time years ago they sent him to Indiana it was done under the guise of you know sometimes they will send you for like continuing ed or uh, you know a certification or something within your field, well, somebody was kind enough to send him to uh, Bloomington. Yeah, and he was able to go for a weekend to, like, a couple of Indiana practices. And, uh, and it, you know, Assembly Hall was packed. I mean, there were coaches from all over the the country, especially the Midwest there. Uh, and he—he, he ta- I remember him telling me this, and we talked about this earlier on the phone this morning. That uh, Knight, um, would, would was there and would sign stuff with every coach, kind of visit with them briefly, individually, one on one, and take pictures with them. All and, and yeah, I mean, there's again a packed house there. He did it both days of the clinic. My dad was able to kind of stay around and got a picture with him, got a little time with Coach Knight. So there's a really cool picture of he and my dad. And then later, Knight signed it and sent it to him because uh, he had a connection there. And then Knight also has signed a uh, like a red folding chair and sent it to him. It was like something that somebody got it. You know, hey, could you do this for a guy who's a, a fan of yours? So my dad was a big Bob Knight fan from the sense of how he coached the game. And my dad was a tough dude. <laughs> and is a tough dude. He's gotten mellow now, Pilk. In his old age, because he's got grand, like he's watching his grandsons today. So he's gotten a little mellow in his old age with the grandkids, but he was a tough dude uh, back in the day. But, uh, you know, so that I always thought that was kind of a cool deal to hear that story. Uh, if you've ever met anybody from Indiana, uh, other than Mike Steele, who's a Purdue guy, if you've ever met anybody from Indiana, uh, I mean, he, he's as revered in Indiana, if not more so, than Dean Smith was of a certain uh, generation in this, in this state. Maybe more because, you know, you do have Duke and North Carolina State here, so that kind of makes it a unique state from that perspective. Here, there, it's just Indiana. And there was the great story where Larry Bird went there, Pilk. Did you know that? He actually went to Indiana because everybody who ba- picked up a basketball in Indiana wants to go to IU and play basketball for night. And Bird went, and I think, I think lasted a week. Just didn't like it because he we was such a small town. And then Bird was back in his town working on the sanitation team going around, taking up, uh, picking up garbage, you know, trash man, before he uh, ended up at Indiana State. But, you know, Bird was going to wind up at IU. And then, you know, there's also, we, I got a lot of text of this last night in a text chain. Uh, Hank Hinton, the great Hank Hinton, sent us uh, this. And I thought, it, you know, it is cool because it's some of the videos that are cool. But you know, Knight talked about like the most the be- He said the best player he ever coached was Jordan, and he coached him in the, the Olympics. Um, so I thought that was you know, and they kind of talked about and rattled that off there. But uh, you know, in basketball, if you if you talk to to coaches, I mean, they uh, even the kind of modern coaches, what they will trace, what they teach or, or, or purport to teach. Some of it always kind of dates back to Bob Knight. So, um, And, and I, again, there's some stuff off the court that uh, I think a lot of it, certain things, there's the infamous thing with the whip. That was kind of he was playing it up during an in, during a final four run to kind of take the heat off his team. That was probably his last really great team in Indiana, with Gilbert Chaney and some others on it. Um, and I, that's the one team that lost to Duke. In the uh, final four, that started the rift, I guess, between he and K, that lasted a while before Coach K kind of put it into it, was the bigger person. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it just, Quinn Buckner, who I got a lot of respect for, has a lot of great things to say about it. He seemed to have patched things up with Isaiah Thomas, which was a, a good thing. I think a lot of people don't realize Isaiah Thomas went to Indiana and played for two years and they won a title. So, um, Bob Knight. No longer with us. 83 years old. All right, Pilk, let's uh, grab a break. We'll do a pirate report next. And then Jim Zoki will join us in a little bit. It is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. 94.3 The and the IBX Media app will also tell you about our show tomorrow. And I didn't tell you anything about Monday yesterday. We ran out of time, Pilk, but I'll I'll talk to you about Monday too on the back end of our pirate report before we throw it. To Dom Kosalki. I think we're going to lose. We'll be back.
0: And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game.
1: We'll get to as much of this as possible. I uh, have some comments from Coach Houston Amar, but we start with uh, Blake Harrell, Pirate Defensive Coordinator, who says uh, some big plays. Uh, well, that's what hurt him last week.
3: No, you... you uh... You go back through every game and there's a handful of snaps here and there um this stands out to to everyone or especially me that you could you love to take away and, and then you're playing pretty dang good football and that was the case last week and i think you know early in the games when it happened and it just kind of we had, couldn't get settled down and once we got settled down and played we played um you know and and UTSA is a good football team, and when you make you make a mistake, they make you pay. It ain't like, the, uh, oh, we got away with one there. You know, they didn't find the, find him uh, find him open, or we miss. You know, we didn't quite get underneath the, the puller and spill it all the way out to the free hitter. Um, and, and that running back's good enough to make you pay. And uh, you know, I thought in the halfway through the second, most of the third, most of the fourth, we settled down and, and played played pretty good uh, against a good offense and uh, a seventh-year quarterback.
1: Uh, and, uh, we have more from coach Harrell, where he, uh, talks about, um, more about this, uh, and, uh, actually gets into, uh, let me look here. Yes. Scouting the two lane offense. Here we go.
3: He's not throwing the football as much as you would think with him as they have in the past. I think they're averaging about you know 40 runs a game, 25 throws a game, but they're also averaging. Uh, I think they're third in the country for throws 20 yards or more down the field. So the throws he's having is play action, take a shot down the field. They're in an NFL NFL style. Uh, offense is I meaning they're going to get under the center. They're going to sh- shift, motion, trade, give you a lot of different looks. Try to pound the football, and then they throw the play action with deep flood routes, deep sails, deep overs, cross country stuff like that, and try to attack you that way.
1: Uh, more from Coach Harrell. Uh, we of course know how great Michael Pratt is. We've seen him all these years, uh, and uh, they've had different coordinators there. Yet Pratt has thrived.
3: This week, I've watched uh, not only all their games from this year, but our game from uh, 21, our game from last year, our game from 2020. Um, And you've seen, you know, 2020 was Will Hall. 21 had a different coordinator. 22, on paper, was a different coordinator. Um, And the new OC um, has been there the whole time. He's been there since 2016. So he's seen a lot of those different OCs come and go. I think he had a huge uh, part of it last year. If not, he might have been the guy actually calling it. Um, it certainly seems like it just kind of watching their offense, but you can see they've taken a little bit from all those, you know, experiences and coordinators over the years and kind of mix that into who they are and what Pratt does really well.
1: Uh, more here from, uh, Blake Harrell. And, uh, this is back to the, I guess, questions about, uh, one side of the ball, not living up to the other. I don't know, but, uh, anyway, uh, coach Harrell, uh, outlining again,
3: it is a team game. Yeah, it's it's a it's a team game. It it takes all all phases. I mean, our offense played really well last week, and defense gave us some big plays early. You know, if we don't give up those big plays. Heck, we're right where we need to be, you know, on top of those guys and, and kicking and butts and special teams have been doing it all year. So it's, it's important that all three of us go play our, our best football game to give give ourselves a chance to win, and we got to do that to go win football games. There, there's uh, You always say there's very small margin in this business, in, in this game, you know, meaning you can not make a lot of mistakes and win games, um, especially against football, good football teams like Tulane, and they certainly are. So we got to be at our best this Saturday to go play our best game of the year in, in all phases and be able to do that.
1: All right, uh, last one here from uh, Coach Harrell, and uh, we've heard Mike Houston talk about this. We've heard, uh, we've heard Blake Harrell talk about this, uh, and that is, uh, as they say, eye discipline. So uh, here is uh, Blake Harrell on uh, that.
3: You know, that's the number one thing is eyes. And uh, I think we always talk about see a little, see a lot, see a lot, see a little. But if you got your eyes in the wrong places and you're going to have your eyes locked in on your key, you're going to find a guy, you know, turn loose. And, and I think that's what happened last week. we got to do a better job of it this week. And we've been, you know, over, over-emphasizing it. You know, hey, make sure you got your you burn your eyes in on that guy, and you carry it all the way to contact, and you watch him all the way to to contact. And uh, like you said, like they certainly love to run the football, and they will pound you, and they're patient enough to do that. But I think the quickest way to the end zone is over the top through the air, and, and that that takes it takes your, the air out of you pretty quick. So we got to make sure we we uh, do a great job of their eyes, do a great job staying on top, and knock the ball, the one on one balls down.
1: All right, uh, Pilk. By the way, Zoke. Zoke has pushed us back a little bit. We've been pushed back by Zoke a little bit.
2: <laughs> he's an important man.
1: Oh, He's so important. So uh, we're, I tell you what, why don't we, we hit the pause button, hit Alrighty. the pause button on the pirate report. We'll come back with, with a bonus pirate report with Blake, uh, with Donnie Kirkpatrick, and maybe Mike Houston <laughs> uh, will do a bonus pirate report for you. But right now, let's do a 94-3 the game sports flash update. We uh, will send it to the one and only Dom Kosolke with us here on the PJ Show. I think we're going to lose. Take it away, Dom. Thanks,
4: Patrick. Pirate football will be in action on Saturday against Tulane. Coach Houston talked about how the team will move forward despite the bowl game being out of reach.
5: Well, I mean, I think the, the kids have, you know, we talked about in our leadership council Lights Sunday off. night, you know, they, they set the message, the same as I do, and it's, you know, next game, you know, it's a 1-0 mentality. You know, that's, you, the only game that you can focus on is the one this week. And uh, they're very dialed in on that and uh, uh, very encouraged by their attitudes. Uh, so excited about the game this weekend.
4: The 7-1 and Tulane Green Wave is coming to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and Tulane comes in as the favorite by 17 points. Kickoff at 3.30 and network pregame coverage at 2.30. Last night, the Rangers clinched their first World Series win in their 63-year history with a 5-0 win over the Diamondbacks in Game 5. The Rangers were a perfect 11-0 on the road this postseason, and the North Carolina native Corey Seager brought home the MVP for the Rangers. Last night, we also lost Hall of Fame basketball coach Bob Knight at age 83. His 902 wins are 6 all-time among men's D1 college basketball. Tonight, the Canes will look to build on a three-game win streak as they head to MSG to take on the Rangers at 7 o'clock. In NFL, the Titans will travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, who are 2.5 favorites, and at the college level, will take, and at the college level, Wake will travel to Duke to take on the Blue Devils, who are six-point favorites despite being on a two-game skid. And that'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report. We'll be right back with more of the Patrick Johnson Show right after this.
0: And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game.
1: It is uh, a bonus Pirate Report. (laughs) Uh, All right, uh, let's get to the offensive side of the ball, shall we, Pilk? Donnie Kirkpatrick on the discipline of the two-lane green wave
5: defense. When you watch them, you can, you can kind of make a mistake start saying, well, I don't see all these freaks out there. You know, I don't see all that. Uh, you know, last year now they had the two linebackers, I think, playing in the league and stuff like that. But they just play so good there's, they don't make mistakes. You know, like there's, somebody's always in their gap. They cover their guy. You don't, you don't see a lot of explosive plays, especially in the run game. Nobody gets any runs over 12 yards. They keep the ball in front of them. Uh, and they just, they're just very good at what they do.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tall order this week, undoubtedly, for the uh, Pirates, because this is a solid, solid two-lane defense. And uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick on the two-lane defense playing more man this season, and that's been a problem for the Pirates.
5: They are a little more man. I think that's something because their their defensive are, backs are all back. I think they probably feel like they can do that this year. Probably at this time last year, they they were a little more drop eight, keep the ball in front of them, and then as they've gotten better, they've gotten a little bit more aggressive and playing man. So yeah, you have to attack. You know, with with your system, you have to kind of go attack. What are they doing defensively? Uh, you know, in the passing game especially, man coverage is is obviously different than zone, so you're going to try to run different routes. There's going to be different reads, but for the most part, they, they can mix it up. So you have to have a system where, you know, you throw it here versus man, you throw it here versus zone, and the quarterbacks have to read that. And uh, they can switch it up a lot, and that's where the difficulty gets. And then they can put some pass rush on you too, and they mix the blitz in with it. You know, that
1: could be a little bit of a problem uh, given some of the play of uh, East Carolina's quarterbacks, uh, but Alex Flynn, I, if there's anybody who may be of the two a little better equipped to to, to check, you know, realize that or, or recognize that, I, I mean to say, uh, to me, it would probably be Alex Flynn. Um, we shall see, though. Obviously, we'll play the game and, and see. And uh, when Dom gave that update of, of the spread, I was a little stunned it, it, it was there, um, but anyway. Why you play the game? I mean, it was supposed to be a huge spread last week, and I think the Pirates covered, didn't they? Good wins, team uh, win, great teams cover for entertainment purposes only, of course, for a few more months. Uh, all right, uh, let's see here. Uh, speaking of Alex Flynn, this is Coach Donnie K on Flynn's performance last week at UTSA.
5: I thought it was his best game. Uh, I think he played. Uh, his best because he played his best more, uh, and I'm encouraged by that. Uh, you know, quarterback. The, the number one thing is just making the decisions. There's so many decisions that you have to make to be good at quarterback in, in the game today, and in our system, a quarterback really has to do that. You know, we had <clears throat> we had 79 plays last week, and there were. <clears throat> we're trying to make it simpler on the quarterback. There were 48 times his decision determine the outcome of the game. That's a lot on the, on a guy. Now he was 40 out of 48, which may or may not be good enough. Okay. I guess it wasn't good enough to win the game, but it was good enough to start putting us in the game and giving us a chance against a, a good team. So I'm encouraged by that.
1: Uh, more from, uh, coach Kirkpatrick on the play of Flynn and, uh, Alex's ability to run the ball last week, quite a wrinkle.
5: He's running the ball a lot. And that's the one thing, you know, I know we're we're all thinking like, okay, you know, you know, Mason's your runner and Alex is your thrower, which is not totally the truth. But Alex is, you know, he had twenty carries. Now, five of those were sacks. So we gotta eliminate those. That's that's something there. And they're not all his fault, obviously, but a couple of them were. You gotta get rid of the ball. Uh some of them were called runs, okay, not many of them. Some of them are reads because they just, you know, there's own reads and there's things like that you have to do. If the guy takes the running back, you have to keep the ball. Uh, and then some of them where he just pulled them down and took off, and that's what he did a really good job of. There were some times when guys were just covered and they had rushed hard and he saw an open door and he took it and uh, showed some toughness. And I think he's learning. He's a pretty tough guy. I don't know if he knew that.
1: More from Donnie Kirkpatrick on the the receiver play, but uh, also saying that they need to
5: have other receivers step up. Jalen just had a good game all over. He caught the ball. He ran with the ball after after the catch. I think Chase so well just starts. You know, every every day, every game, I see him coming on. You know, he's got three more years after this year. Unfortunately, Jalen does not have any more years. But we just see him coming on and. Uh, of we got to get a back going a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? We, we haven't established any of those enough.
1: And uh, Georgia Southern transfer Gerald Green uh, provided a little spark for East Carolina last week. Uh, might we see some more of him? Well, here's Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick.
5: I thought Gerald Green being back gave us a little spark. Everybody was kidding him. Oh, fresh legs. Okay, you know, fresh legs. Everybody else is tired. But I I just thought his energy, I think he was just so happy to get to play again after being hurt.
1: And uh, Coach says the screen game for the offense needs to be better.
5: The screen game, we have not been good enough at it. I've been trying to get us better at it. We kind of just got going and said, all right, we're going to commit to a screen and then a screen off of that screen. And we had that for a touchdown too. And he, he just barely hit the turf and it was a good call. It did hit the turf. If he could have just gotten it to him. Now it's, a screen, always, a good screen, always looks like you're getting ready to get sacked. Because if they don't rush, it ain't going to work. So he did a great job of letting them get close. He just couldn't quite make the throw over there to to uh, Jari. Uh, but yeah, we got to keep working those things because uh, I think those help your protection. Even if it doesn't turn into a big play, sometimes now the D line has to. Okay, I'm getting in here too easily. That's a screen, you know. So.
1: That'll do it for today's pirate report. Let's take a break. Jim Zoki is, uh, coming up. We'll, uh, spend the last bit of the show with the Zoke man talking about, uh, the Panthers and the pirates. So, uh, that is coming your way right after these words.
0: And now the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P man here on 94, three, the game.
1: All right, uh, Panthers got a week nine matchup at home against the Colts. Coming off their first win of the season, they took down the uh, Texans in week eight, 15-13, for their first win of the year. Jim Zoki, you'll hear him uh, Sunday on our sister station, Talk 103.7 WTIB on the Panthers radio network beginning at noon. And you'll hear him, of course, Saturday uh, here in Greenville and statewide on 107.9 WNCT and 94.3. The game is he'll have commentary of uh, ECU and Tulane. Uh, Zoke, let's start with the uh, Cats. Um, I know there's some guys banged up, and it seemed like just the list going through it, Bell, Blackshear, Burns, Corbett, Louvu. An in inordinate amount of guys limited in yesterday's practice. And uh, a lot of guys that are still not participants. I didn't realize this team is that banged up. It's just and, and I guess there's the report from the athletic today I was reading this morning that JC Horn's still what, a week or two away. So uh boy, it's a lot of are, are some of this precautionary uh, fill us in, Zoke. Fill us in.
6: There's a lot going on. You know, Frankie Louvo will play, Brian Burns will play if I deal with that elbow injury all year. So the those are not too concerning. Probably the biggest news. Is that uh, Von Bell got back on the practice field a limited basis yesterday? So uh, okay. could be. Uh, we'll we'll see as the day goes on. We'll maybe get him back uh, this week. Even so, uh, got Xavier Woods back last week. Uh, both Hayden Hurst and Troy Hill were out with illness yesterday. They were both at practice today. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely Austin Corbett just got his first game under his belt coming back from a torn ACL at the end of last season. So uh, you know mm-hmm. these guys, you know they're they're back to uh, different degrees. But uh, yeah, you're also surviving a lot of injuries too.
1: Philip, the ref Pilkington was at the game, uh, Zoke. So he's got to go this and week. Then we need we need that mojo. Are you going
6: this
2: week, Pilk? No, nah, I'm out this week. I did go to the Vikings game and we lost, so it's not like I'm. you know, We <laughs> all say all of us winning, but I'm out this week.
1: We used to let Ben ask questions of Zoki, and and uh, he was he was an irrational fan. Uh, Pilk, do you have any questions for Zoki on the Panthers since you went to the game and they won?
2: Um, just kind of top of the head, um, you know, with the defense, who have you kind of seen step it up on the on the back end? You know, this team is so banged up uh, defensively. This team was the number two defense in the country uh, two years ago, and, and obviously Frankie Luvu, the linebacker, has done phenomenal. Ten tackles for loss, I think, or t- uh, 12 total tackles. I think seven of them were for a loss or something, so crazy numbers by him. But who's really stepped up on the back end there as far as the defensive backs?
1: Now, Zoke, before you answer that, hang on, hang on, Zoke. Before you answer that, always know. While Ben's questions were passionate, on the verge of like a a old Mid Atlantic wrestling promo, Pilkington (laughs) is going to ask you what Pilkington's going to ask you what time it is, and then tell you how to build the watch. But go ahead. Well, there's a
6: different approaches. That's what I like. Everyone's uh, got a different way of going about the job. I like that. I like that. So I. yeah, you know, something like Sam Franklin I think is uh you know each year gotten a little bit better as far as being more than just he's a very good special teams player, but as far as being a safety, I think he's stepped up and done well. You know, a lot's been asked of Farley coming in, not that he's a young guy because 'cause he's been around the league for a little bit, but again, more of a special teams player has been thrust into like just arriving with no training camp, obviously, about two, three weeks ago and, and, and you know, starting a game. So it's it's been, you know, you know, learn and play and get out there quickly. So I give a lot of credit to Jairo Abero for you know having the, the the product on the field that they held Houston to 13 points because the Texans were playing well coming into that game. They were three and three. CJ Stroud had nine touchdowns, one interception coming in after uh, that game last week, and they really bottled them up. 140 yards of passing. So obviously to have that happen, you know the secondary had to do their job, and you know not a ton of quarterback sacks. I think we had two, but you know at least some pressure on him that always helps out the secondary uh, as well. And then, again, a veteran guy, but a nice signing at the end of camp was, was Troy Hill. And just having that veteran presence back there, he's come up with some big plays uh, through the couple of weeks that he's played so far.
1: Uh, and then I thought Bryce Young, uh, you know, again, we're, we're just seeing that kind of gradual evolution. Uh, I mean, not spectacular, but not, in my opinion, dreadful. But um, uh, what do you think of his performance there, zoke
6: I thought he was very good, actually, at considering. Uh, you, you have to it he was sacked yeah. six times, and he's pretty elusive, so he sacked six times. Got hit a lot. Many times, mm-hmm. many times, bought himself extra time just by maneuvering around in the pocket and making some some tough throws. They had at least three, if not four, outright drops. Uh, and even with that, uh, had, had a really good statistical day. But uh, seven touchdowns, four picks on the season now. But the biggest thing of all was you get the ball back at your own nine-yard line, and you got a score, and they did. You know, 15 plays. Uh, 64 yards going down the field to get the field goal there at the end. And they had to convert a pair of fourth downs uh, on that drive. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about that, that really is important. I mean, there's, there's arm talent, there's abilities, there's all the measurables, but a guy that just has never looked rattled, uh, no matter what the situation is. So, yeah, long ways to go. Uh, but uh, I think for a guy playing in his sixth NFL game, you know, just looks very composed, uh, made some great throws under duress. The offensive line was not an excuse for him. He He worked through it. And, uh, again, very little in the run game. It was very little run support. Chuba had 28 yards, and a lot of that goes back again on the offensive line not being great. But uh, that's something you can work with with Bryce Young for sure.
1: Were you surprised that they didn't make any kind of deal, uh, maybe for Burns or just anybody uh, on Tuesday?
6: I was not. I don't think there's enough to get back in return. And if you look around the league outside of Washington being sellers, there was very little activity. Uh, the Vikings had to come up with a quarterback because of Kirk Cousins. They got Joshua Dobbs. Right. But there was next, to, outside of Washington, you know, obviously giving away two future expensive guys that they're not going to re-up with Chase Young, obviously, but the Niners are in win-now mode and getting rid of Montez Sweat to Chicago. There was very little activity. Kind of like the old days of NFL right. uh, trade deadline. It used to be like, you know, for every, like nothing happened. And then for a while, like there were a lot of trades. This was back to the way it used to be. A very little going on, but you know, to me, with Brian Burns last year, if you if you were going to trade him, would have been at that time with two firsts and the third. You weren't going to get something in season to that degree because whoever takes him is going to have to give him a new contract if they want to keep him, So I was not surprised. be beyond that, if you traded somebody else uh, on the roster, I mean, you're you're going to get a day three pick. It's not going to be anything prominent. Right, so right, me, I'd rather have I'd right. rather have the player.
1: Yeah. All right, uh, Zoke, Let's shift uh, quickly over to the uh, Pirates. They'll get Tulane this week. Uh, what were your uh, impressions. There seemed to be encouragement out of uh, last week from the offensive side. Defense, a handful of plays harmed them. But uh, what was your uh, your sense coming out of San Antonio?
6: That, you know, at, at least the, the offense, we'll start with that. You know, with, with Alex Flynn and with Jalen Johnson, we'll throw that in at the same time. You know, both had by far their best games of the season. For, for Jalen, this was like more of what was expected there. Uh, but uh, I think for Alex Flynn again, not perfect. Uh, would like to have some throws back, but uh, I mean, what a what a trooper! I mean, he got in there. He ended up, to me, running it 15 times. They'll say 20 on the stats page, but with the five quarterback sacks, he ran it 15 times, and a lot of that was him just deciding to go run and make a play, and it was usually the right call uh, to pick something up there. So uh, I feel like he's gotten a little bit more confidence, and and hopefully a consistency approach continues with him as well. So I feel like if you can keep this going with Jalen Johnson and Chase, so well you got two, you know, reliable receivers with the other guys kind of filling in around that. And we'll see moving forward, very small sample size but at running back. You know, Gerald Green, I know Fred Likes, it's like he came in, he looked really, really quick on that 46-yard run. Again, it was just one play, but you could see there was was a burst that we haven't seen a lot of and with not having had Javius Bond the past couple weeks, uh, it's been a little bit more, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust a lot of times with the garage and Marlon Gunn, and a lot of that, again, goes back to the offensive line, there's just not a ton of openings there. But with someone like Green, if he's got that, that escapability, that extra burst, you know, that might be something you could work with to kind of at least free things up in the running game a little bit more.
1: Uh, I also thought if – well, I mean, and you had a semblance of a running game, and, and that allowed uh, Flynn to be a little more effective. So, I mean, it looks like it's Flynn's ball, at least for now, uh, and, and quite possibly down the stretch here. You know, it's interesting. Flynn's got that – even though, you know, there's the – getting the MBA and wants to go to med school, he still has a year of eligibility. And, uh, I, I think having a quarterback in the system with ability and experience would be a benefit, but you can't stop a young guy from living his life, so we'll see at the end of the year. But, um, you know, I, I think this is a, if he has designs on, you know, kind of foregoing med school for one more year, uh, I think this is an important stretch coming up for Flint.
6: I agree, and um, you know we'll we'll see what I I know. They still want wanting Mason to have success and work with him, but Jeter obviously is the future. I would say as far as what's on the roster today, and if you know, again we do this in the NFL all the time. If if Alex Flynn is a bridge quarterback uh, to Jeter, if they really like his long term abilities with a lot of years to come, and of course, obviously you got transfer portal and recruiting options out there. But uh, with Jeter there, uh, what he brings his physical prowess and just a matter of him, you know, getting more time to to be you know a freshman. Uh, if, if it takes into next year that you know Flynn plays some more, if that's a possibility, then yeah, there, there's you know at least a plan, and they know there's some urgency to some places they have to fix this lineup. We can all sit here and name them offensive lines, obviously one of the bigger ones, but uh, there's going to be some holes to fill and some some big components that have to happen. So some could be longer play recruiting situation. That's your core, uh, but also with the transfer portal, I think some opportunities to fix things a little bit quicker. And That's the great thing about. College football, I know you guys have been hearing it uh, there all week, is like Tulane is the, the poster child for what can be college football now, that you can win two games one year and win 12 the next year. That's an extreme example, but, again, it gives you an idea. And that was largely by them sticking around. And This is not the you know, SMU at yeah. Heavy Transfer Portal. This is by keeping guys in who didn't want to walk away from the program, being that their last taste of college football there was, was two wins. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you keep your core together here and then add to that, you know, it can be a quicker turnaround in college football than it used to be.
1: Pirates are a pretty banged-up group. Shane Calhoun lost for the year, and I think that hurts uh, the offense, although, uh, again, there were some signs shown last week with Jalen Johnson stepping up. But, you know, that was – you mentioned that two-win t- two season. That was a lot of that too, Zoke. They they were really uh, – they were really badly injured collectively were the green wave uh, that, that two-win year. But your point is taken in, in this modern – it's a year to year proposition now. and so i mean if you are serious about the nil which we need to get serious about it in east carolina and tulane got serious about it they have, they in memphis from what i understand have you know the and smu have the highest nils in the in the league, and you know no no coincidence tulane is where they are cuz they got serious about football. kind of crazy considering where they were many years ago talking about maybe dissolving football but um they made the commitment they built a stadium and they are uh they're active participants in nil they used it as Get you out. noted expertly to re- to retain uh rather than necessarily go shopping but they they use that nil their ability to hold this core together
6: and no better example than last week in san antonio frank harris is a seventh year player for a reason he got paid he a six-figure deal yeah to come back for a seventh year because he's not really a pro prospect so what better money is he going to make than playing another season of college football in a seventh year in the program down there? And you know they'll, they'll be gone, and uh, you know they've got the, the young uh, Owen McCown, uh, Josh McCown's son, that's uh, playing down yeah. there as the next yeah. day. He played a little bit in that game last week. But yeah, you got to at least at the key positions compete there. I don't like it, by the way. I mean, I, I hate that there's there's, got, there's no guardrails, or uh, I don't like the uh, the unplay uh, unbalanced playing field that has become the, the haves and have-nots of the financial world that you have to overcome. Uh, but them's the rules, as I say. So that's where we are right now. So, yeah, hopefully they'll they'll be able to get some of that, recruit well beyond that, retain key players that you've got in the system here because that's the, that's the Tulane example, by and large, is retaining your key guys and, and keeping them in the program long-term.
1: Uh, Zoke, Michael Pratt is uh, excellent. He might be uh, at the next level, maybe a guy that is a practice squad guy or, or you know unrestricted free agent, uh, needs to – to work on a few things, maybe a late-round guy. I've always been impressed with with Pratt, but uh, the coaches, uh, from the ECU perspective, we heard from him earlier in the show, raving about what Pratt can do. So uh, give us a little bit on uh, your study of uh, Pratt, what stands out to you.
6: Another gray beard, a uh, senior, 6'3", <laughs> 220. He is third in the nation in passing efficiency, third, and he can run it. Uh, so he's a, he's a dual threat weapon as far as you know that the play action, so they, they can kind of run everything. They're a team that wants to run the ball, and he's actually their second leading rusher. Uh, and they got a great back in Makai Hughes, but you know he'll be part of that run game. And they, they're probably about sixty forty run is kind of what their want is in most games. So that's that's going to be the bigger component than the passing card even. But when they do throw, it tends to be for big chunks, and we saw that last week against San Antonio how quickly that can turn a game and we don't know about Jaquan Jackson. He's probably their best receiver, uh, but he, um, he, he didn't play last week. He's been dinged up. But Lawrence keys was a really good one and they got some others. Chris Brazel was actually their leading receiver last week. So they're explosive in the past game. So it's kind of a mix of like, you know, hit you, hit you, hit you with a run and then play actually go over the top and, and try to get some big chunk plays and get down the field that way. So they're, they're coming I mean, out. They're number 21 in the nation. They're very good. Uh, They're 19-3 over the last 22 games. It's going to take ECU not only playing their best game, uh, but getting some some special things like that pick six from last week. It's going to take those kind of plays uh, to be able to pull off a a win like this against Tulane because they got everything clicking right now.
1: All right. You uh, kind of gave some keys to a a Pirate win. Anything else you think ECU needs to be able to do or maybe Tulane not do in order for the Pirates to, to spring an upset on Military Appreciation Day?
6: Yeah, well, you know, we talked a lot about the offense already. So I think defensively, I mean, we've just seen what was expected kind of get uh, more developed over the past couple of weeks, with especially the edge guys, Jeremy Lewis and Chad Stevens. I think they have played their best football over the past couple of weeks. And they've not been a team that's had a lot of quarterback sacks, but they got four last week. You know, Siobhan Rebel continued to play a really at the cornerback spot. Julius Wood, obviously, you know, with Tegan Wilk having been out, with Omar Rodgers having been out. Uh, is really kind of, you know, shouldering a lot back there at the safety position and came through with 11 tackles, and he had the big interception the week before against Charlotte. So I think Jordan Huff has stepped up. So I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of good effort in this defense, despite being shorthanded in some areas over the past couple weeks, has really kept it together. I know the final score doesn't indicate it uh, from last week, but just for the bulk of the work of the season, uh, I think that that gives you a chance to stay in games when the defense can play at the level they have most of the year.
1: All right, uh Zoe so couple just uh, you know summarize what the Panthers will need to do to get a second straight win.
6: I think for the Panthers, you know, it's just a matter of continuing to develop the things they've done over the past couple of weeks. That was Thomas Brown's first game as the the play caller there, so we saw a little bit more motion and just uh things shifts that we hadn't really seen before. That's kind of that LA Rams influence. So it was only week 1, so I think now with the second week, you know they can continue to add and, and do things in that regard second week of Austin Corbett coming in there because, again, the offensive line is the key. If they can run the ball with Chuba Hubbard, if Miles Sanders can step up and be the guy he was in week one before he got dinged up, I mean, they really do need both of those running backs with that one-two punch. That just takes so much pressure off your quarterback. And it's been a little puzzling, too. I think you know Hayden Hurst hasn't been really that prominent in the offense. We thought pass-catching tight end there. I think Tommy Trumbull is ahead of him, so I think we've seen kind of this as they sort through the season, they're not playing favorites. Trumbull, I think, has moved ahead of Hayden Hurst to some degree, at least even with him. And I think Chuba, obviously, the past couple weeks has surpassed, uh, which which, uh, Deion's, uh, Miles Sanders Sanders is doing in the running back game there. So that's what they need is guys that can make plays. There's got to be somebody beyond Adam Thielen. He's been great every week, but at some point, it's got to be more than Adam Thielen.
1: Zoki with Coach Prime on the mind. There you go. Too many. Too Does many he go Deons to the Raiders, though? Will the Raiders hire Coach Prime? With the Raiders, I never rule out anything. That would
6: be a classic Raiders type of hiring: is to get Deion Sanders prime time. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what their long term plan is there. I could have told him not to hire Josh McDaniels. It <laughs> didn't work out right, the last time in work. Denver. No, it's just it's just not. It's just like it's funny. Even with Belichick, we're starting to see like. You know, people say, was it Brady? Was it Belichick? You know, all these assistant coaches, they never went on as coordinators to be good head coaches, much of anywhere else. And he has some successes here and there, Bill O'Brien, some others. But it's just like, not, a, by and large, not a ton of success off the coaching tree there. I think it was just uh, mostly Tom Brady, uh, as it turns <laughs> out, that was really pulling that whole thing.
1: <laughs> all right, Zoke. So, uh, we'll, I'll I'll drop you a text. We want you to come by the pregame this week. So we'll work okay. that out our people will call your people at at your usual and, spot uh, we'll yeah we're yeah good willing okay. uh, God willing the creek don't rise we will be there yeah okay well we'll see you planning it we'll see you there alright alright Zoke thank you buddy appreciate it All right. Thanks, Patrick. great to have Jim Zoke on big thanks to him thanks to Phil the rep Phil Kington, and Dom Kosolki I think we're gonna lose alright maybe we'll see that's why you play the game baby Tulane coming to town. Tomorrow, Ronald Vincent, the great RV, will be with us. Six o'clock, Patrick Johnson show. Ten o'clock-ish or so in the morning on the video platforms. Have a great evening, everybody. Oh, and tonight, 103.7 WTIB starting at 6.30. Coverage of Thursday night football as Wake Forest visits Duke.